Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the County Corner Podcast. On this week's episode, Stephen, Adam and I review Ross County's 1-0 win down at Rugby Park. We review Ross County's start to the season and rate it out of 10. We look back at the business throughout the transfer window and also rate that out of 10. And we also ask a very important question. It's safe to say that everyone's seen the news surrounding Ross Stewart's move from Sunderland to Southampton and the reported sell-on fee that Ross County are entitled to from that move. So, if you had £1.2 to £1.5 million and owned the football club, how would you look to invest that money? So, let's get into it. Right, joining me on the podcast this week, we've got Stephen Clellan back on once again. Stephen, how's it going? Brilliant, Ross. Delighted after the great uh, victory on the road. And um, as we rightly predicted myself and yourself, we said County would sneak a win. Speaking about predictions, we've got the man who <laughs> predicted a score draw on Saturday. But to be fair to him, he wasn't far away. It was probably less than half a second if Kevin Clancy managed to hold up off blowing his whistle. Um, we've got Adam Carter back on. Adam, how's it going? It's going good. Delighted to get the win. And I'm not complaining that my prediction's out. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, so I, I guess it's safe to say by the tone of our voices and uh, the result on Saturday, we're all pretty chuffed we spoke about it being a tough place to go to rugby park evidenced by you know the last victory came down there in september 2017 so Stephen, what do you make of the performance and result down there really good um really good from the point of view as we knew how tough it was going to be and i think malky pulled a master stroke of just matching that same formation you know we were talking about it last week and we weren't really sure um but he changed it about and we've said that we've now got that flexibility within the squad to go a bit horses for courses. And yes, it maybe neutralised the game and didn't make it, especially the first half, the greatest spectacle for the, the fan in the stand. But you know what? Sometimes it's about going away from home, being robust, being tight, and just taking that chance that will appear. And we, we, sat, we had a sort of conversation about that, saying that it might boil down to that set piece or, or, or something to happen in the game that is usually really tight between the teams in that respect. So, no, delighted. I thought What I would say is, we're being really smart in what we're doing. Some games will be able to be expansive and play football, especially at home, and, and be a bit more attacking. But if it means getting points on the board, I'd rather be a bit smarter like we were on Saturday and, and grind that result out based on a set piece and, and a solid performance from the team. Adam, what did you think of it? Yeah, what, what ended up um, obviously getting the 1-0 win, it was kind of what I expected. It was going to be a scrappy game from the start. What we said, if we're going to get a win down there, we're going to have to defend well can have a bit of brilliance Laidlaw played great pulled off some good saves and we had that bit of quality from the cross and the header from Murray to get the goal so um, no overall can't really uh, say any more than Stephen said it was grinded out not the bonus at times but um, great to get the win Hi, it's safe to say the match probably wasn't for a football purist as such but it doesn't <laughs> matter I think uh, we spoke that we wanted to get back up the United with three points and fair play to the boys for doing that and I think We've had a lot of plaudits this season for the style of football we've had on display. Um, and I think on Saturday it was quite encouraging to see that we can take points with different kinds of uh, performances. You know, Stephen said there about matching up with the formation that Kelly went into the game with as well. And the 3-5-2 worked really well. It nullified them. And I think we didn't really have any chances created against us from open play where we kind of got opened up as such. Uh, I thought it was just... Kilmarnock loading balls into the box and from set pieces obviously there was the penalty that was saved as well but in terms of a defensive uh, stability it was it was really good and I think 
physically as well, we we impose ourselves on the game. I think uh, in previous years we've maybe seen county teams that have have gone to grounds like Rugby Park or Fir Park or you know Livingston in the past where they are a physical team and we can maybe get bullied a little bit. Whereas I thought we actually bullied Kilmarnock which was quite encouraging to see as well. So it shows that, you know, we can play nice fancy football when we want to, likes of what we've done against Celtic, against St. Johnston, against Airdrie, but when we need to stand up and, you know, fight the battle, um, we did that really well on Saturday. So it was encouraging to see. So going into the match, uh, County made three changes to the starting eleven from the previous week's defeat to Rangers. Will Nightingale, Kyle Turner and Josh Reid, who was making his first Premiership start for County since Boxing Day 2020, came into the starting eleven, replacing Victor Latouri, George Harmon and Josh Sims, who all dropped to the bench. Ben Paddington made his return to the matchday squad for the first time since the 2-1 win over Morton in the Viaplay Cup group stages. He started on the bench and he was joined by new signing Scott High, who joined the club on transfer deadline day on loan from Huddersfield Town. So we spoke there that Malky decided to go with the 3-5-2 with Ross laid long goals, the three centre-backs of Will Nightingale, Jack Baldwin and Ryan Leake. James Brown at right wing-back, Josh Reed at left wing-back, Connor Randall, Kyle Turner and Jan Danda in the middle of the park with Simon Murray and Jordan White up front. Um, I mentioned there the first half wasn't one for the, the f- football purists. Matty Kennedy had a goal bind shot, which looked like it was heading into the bottom corner, but it was cleared away by Brown. Um, and Jack Baldwin had a header from a Jan Danda free kick, which was straight at Will Dennis. The first controversial moment of the match uh, came Kevin Clancy's way after about half an hour, I believe. Um, Kyle Turner picked up a loose ball at the edge of the box and looked to go past Lewis Mayo. The ball bounced to Simon Murray, who looked to get his body in front of Stuart Finlay. Finlay tried to poke the ball away. Uh, Murray went down under the challenge from Finlay and Kevin Clancy points to the spot for a Ross County penalty. On the replays, it looked like Finlay got plenty of the ball and after a VAR review, Clancy overturned his original decision for a penalty, which was, yeah, no penalty. And Kamarnik were given the drop ball inside their box. Um, Stephen, on... Referee's corner for the first time tonight. Take it away. <laughs> it's funny because there was people commenting on social media after the game, oh, we're looking forward to referee's corner now, Stephen. So it's obviously getting a bit of a cult following. No, do you know what? I'm, I'm honest, it wasn't a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. And I can understand how a referee, when they're seeing something quickly as that, they've picked it up as a penalty. But that what's, that's what VAR's for. So no complaints by me. It was the correct decision. The VAR got the correct decision on it. And, you know, none of the county players complain. These things can happen in a game. Players can fall over and that. I don't necessarily think Simon Murray dived. There was probably contact, but the contact came after the ball had been played. Do you know what I mean? And so, for me, not a penalty and you move on. So, great. VAR did its job for once, which was a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not for us, because we would have liked the penalty, but they've got the correct decision. That's what we're looking for is consistency in the application of it. So, from referee's corner, well done to the VAR and well done to the ref. Adam, anything to add on that? I'm going to disagree. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that, that, that's that's what VAR has been brought in for, um, situations like that. You see it so many times with the attacking player nipping in in front of a defender and there's very little in it sometimes, whether it's a penalty um, or if it's not a penalty. I think in this case, it was clear as day that it wasn't a penalty at all. and The ball was won. Like you say, Stephen said, he did maybe catch Murray very slight Afterwards, won the ball first. So, um, yeah, no penalty for me either. Yeah, I, I think I can understand why Kevin Clancy gave it initially from the angle that he was at because I think 
Um, and the replays that showed it, it, you could understand in real time why he thought that maybe Simon had planted his foot and Finlay kicked through him to win the ball. Um, but yeah, on the on the replays and especially from the camera angle that's from the away end facing towards the, the goal that you could see that Finlay played the ball cleanly and Simon went down, gave the referee a decision to make. If that was at the edge of the box, we would have had a free kick, but wasn't to be. VAR's there for that exact reason, as you guys said. It's to overturn the contentious decisions in the box or when it comes to things like that. So yeah, fair play to VAR, fair play to Kevin Clancy for overturning it as well because he could have easily gone to the screen and thought, well, I'm sticking with my original decision, but no, he decided to overturn it. So yeah, we'll, we'll praise him for that. Um, I think it's safe to say Kilmarnock fans weren't praising him for a decision later on in the match, but we'll get to that. Towards the end of the first half, uh, Matty Kennedy put a cross in from the right-hand side and Brad Lyons volleyed towards goal, but Laidlaw made a comfortable save. And then into the second half, Kilmarnock started quite well. They had a chance where Kennedy drove into the box on the left-hand side, but he could only drag his shot wide to the far post. Then on the 53 minutes, uh, County broke the deadlock. Danda's pinpoint free kick was met by the head of Simon Murray, who, uh, who guided his header beyond Will Dennis into the far corner to put County 1-0 up. Adam, it's a quality goal. I mean, uh, you mentioned the, the chance for Baldwin just in the first half from a, a Danda free kick. So he'd been putting quality deliveries into the box and and yeah, it's a it's a great header. And even the movement from Simon at the edge of the box as well, he's, he's kind of ghosted into that space that's been vacated by Dees. Yeah, I thought it was a great goal. A lot's talk, talked about the cross. Obviously, the cross is pinpoint. You've got to have the cross where it needs to be for the person to head it. But then likewise, you need the attacker to be in the right position to put it into the back of the net. And it's it's really clever from Murray because he actually he looks for his man, then he beats his man and then finds the space. And it's a free header. But I don't know about you, but there's nothing better than you know, a headed goal. I thought it was perfect. The ball came in lovely. Um, and up until that point, I didn't think... You know, I didn't think we were really threatening him too much. I, you know, I wasn't expecting a goal. And then all of a sudden, a bit of brilliance like that from uh, Jan Danda and then Murray gets on the end of it. But it was a, it was a good goal to see, a nice goal. None of this scrappy stuff. <laughs> Stephen, what, you, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's it's obviously something they've must have worked on the training ground. Cause when you actually watch it back, Jordan's gone near post. That He's the first run. So obviously what they've decided is, if they'll look at Jordan and think he's probably going to be the biggest threat and a header. So they've obviously just said to him, get to the near the front side, you go first. Because if you notice them, they all go in sync. But what Simon does is they're thinking they're going straight in. He runs along the box and then goes into the space. So they've obviously decided that's the area where we're going to try and create the space. So obviously Danda knew exactly where that was going to be dropping. And they've obviously done it to a T. So I think there's a three or four of them in there in White and Danda and Murray. They've all worked on this. And it's pretty obvious there's a space created for them to go into and as you said, if Dees doesn't follow much because he's expecting the run to go elsewhere, then it's just creating up a space where you can get him out. Obviously, it's great you've created the space, but sometimes the hardest part then is the finish. Do you know what I mean? And credit to Simon Murray, he's absolutely nailed that. It was an absolutely brilliant header. Um, and just great to see, because obviously one of the things that I'm a big believer in is these small set pieces these that you can work on throughout the week can be the absolute difference between three points, one point or no points. And we saw it there on Saturday. You know, we've got a bit of luck later on with the, the referee decision. I'll, I'll sort of dissect that in the next episode or part of Cleland's Corner when it comes to the referees. But I just think it was just something, you know, that we know what we've got in Danda who can put it on a sixpence. 
and we know the threat that we carry in that. So we're using the strengths we've got there now. I just think it's it shows a lot of progression. Previously, sometimes when we put three kicks in and that from certain situations, it's always more the hope than expectation some something happening. Now it looks like obviously the message is getting through to the players and they've been working on stuff. And it just it was great to see a bit of quality like that. Which obviously, as we said before, up to that point, it was a really tight game and not much, you know, quality in open play. So if you're going to unlock a, a defence, that's the best way to do it. I think it's quite interesting there. Even watching it back, we mentioned Jordan there, kind of occupying D's and and his his movement and position at the front post. You've mentioned it there as the front man who I think, you know, he's almost as the decoy runner there. But there's the gap between I think it's uh, D's and Lions. And Lyons is trying to pull Dees back in to try and plug that gap. But then Jordan backs off and makes contact with Dees to almost like draw him in. To, yeah. You know, to almost entice him in to make it a 2v1. So I think, I'm not sure who the player was right at the front post, but to to double up on Jordan in that situation, that then creates the gap for Simon to dart into. And that's exactly where the ball's gone in. And, you know, um, in terms of set piece takers, I mean, Jan's delivered that one there. Kyle Turner's have more than capable set-piece taker as well. We've seen Harmon, you know, deliver from corners and, and things recently as well. So it's nice to see we've got those options from depending, you know, what angle the, the ball's at, what kind of set-piece we're setting up for. And, and as you said, Stephen, this can be the difference between three points, one point or or no points, you know, options like yeah. this to decide. So, uh, it was just a, just a very smart, when you watch it back, like just, it's really impressive how the rest of the team are programmed to run in a, it's probably a diagonal run, but into the box. Yeah. So that it's simple, right? The marker's watching them and going, right, well, I'm going with them. That's easy enough for me. But if you watch Simon Murray, he checks his run. So he mm-hmm. actually goes along and in. So he's obviously, the, he's aware where the space is going to be. And it just, for me, it's just a really smart goal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really clever. So from a, yeah, obviously the, the open play has not been the football purist, but for me, looking at it as someone who's previously done coaching and my career and, and these type of things and done the coaching qualifications. It's all these smart things about, you know, we hear a lot nowadays about false nines and false tens and, and all these sort of different things and low blocks and high blocks. But I just think in a situation like that, in a tight situation like that, that's smart football creating space that way. A few minutes later, it was quite a bizarre passage of play, but kind of had a fantastic chance to make it 2-0. Uh, Jack Baldwin caught everyone by surprise by being so far up the pitch and acting as a second or third striker. Um, he did well to get on the end of Nightingale's long ball. He held off Dees and showed great composure to find Jordan White, who's 12 yards out, but he could only lift his shot over the bar. Um, it was quite a, it was quite an odd one watching it because Jack does so well initially, and then as soon as he gets up when he's held off Dees, you're expecting almost to swing his left foot at it just to have a strike towards goal. Adam, he's shown great composure there to lift his head and, and find Jordan, but it's just... I think Jordan's trying to do the right thing is fire it from where the keeper's coming from but he's just he's just lent back and just got a bit too much on it and you know you can see the reaction of the players they knew that was a big chance and you know in terms of no one will be kicking themselves more than than Jordan for that kind of chance I think he knew himself that it was it was a big one to make it to now yeah Baldwin did great I don't know what I was more amazed at the fact that he beat the man or the fact that he actually did the hardest part to pick a man out free in the box um, at the end of the day it's an absolute sitter but no one knows that more than Jordan White I think mm-hmm. if that goal had gone in it would have been a totally different game um, I think the pressure had been off us completely and the game would have probably fizzled out thankfully we didn't need that goal to go in in the end um, yeah he should be scoring that he knows that himself but um, just one of these things that could happen to anyone at the best of times yeah exactly and I think that's that's the key point is that you know 
the, the important thing is he's putting himself into that position to try and take the chance. I think, um, you know, it's that's the important thing is that he's trying to react positively to, you know, there was the chance against Rangers where, okay, that didn't go his way, but he's still putting himself in the box. He's still causing problems for defenders. And, you know, he's not shying away from getting on the end of chances. And it was just, Stephen, it was just unfortunate that, you know, on Saturday, it just it didn't go his way because, you know, probably nine times out of 10, that ball would have ended up in the back of the net. It was just unfortunate that that was the, the one time it didn't. Yeah, and just like most strikers, it's a confidence thing. Yeah. It is a confidence thing. And obviously, Jordan was missed last week. That's playing on his mind. We saw at the start of last season, Jordan got an early goal at Tynecastle in the first league game of the season, a bit like what he's done with their sales. And then he went through a wee bit of a barren spell where there seemed to be a bit of pressure building. And there was all people wanting him dropped from the team and that. And then he came good... You know, a couple of goals, I think it was at Hearts and St. Johnston quickly had a turnaround of a couple of goals. And bearing in mind, he was our top scorer last season in double figures. And we haven't had that. And we've just we've just uh, inherited a, a nice sum of money for a striker for £10 million who didn't even get double figures for us in the Scottish Premier League. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So we'll have to be sort of realistic. You know, the reason a lot of these players are with us is based down to consistency. They have the ability, but it's getting that consistency. And we've said it all along. Once these players get consistent, then they inevitably go off to bigger clubs with, you know, more financial clout. So these things will happen. I just urge the fans to be patient. I just felt really sorry for Jordan after the game. There's so much positivity and people seem to keep focusing on the miss. As you said, it will happen in games. Do you know what I mean? And the other positive I would say from that is that obviously earlier in the week, um, Jack Baldwin had been asked about you know, the impact, the, the the previous performance down at Kilmarnock and how it didn't go. And I thought what I liked about the sort of captain role he played on, on Saturday there was in the build-up, he, he talked the talk, but he walked the walk as well on Saturday. He was driving the team on and you could see that. You know, everyone was like, what's Jack Baldwin doing up there? But, you know, he, you could see he was wanting to drive the team on to a performance and yeah. that it was like, look, I'm high energy here. I'm going to press this team. Let's all get into it together. And if we all have to, you know, do different things as part of the, the the job to get there. So again, I thought it was a great bit, a great run from Baldwin. Great, you know, he's got back on his feet and played a, a ball. And it's just unlucky with Jordan, but he'll come good. We've seen it from Jordan the whole time at County, and I just, you know, I, I get fans have their opinions. I understand that. I totally understand that. But for me, as supporters, there's a difference between being a fan and a supporter. And I'm not asking people to happy clap, but what I'm saying, if you're a supporter, the best time to back a player is when they are struggling or they're off confidence. Because that they'll appreciate that and it'll make a difference for them. It's easy to, you know, be a fan of someone when they're scoring goals for fan and everything looks great. And same as you know, as a, a fan base. But I get, you know, fans are entitled. I get people pay their money and they're entitled to an opinion. But what I would say is, you can just see in the lad, he just needs that bit of support from people around them. And his teammates will be doing it. They, they, you know, more than appreciate and same with Malky, the job that he does and chipping in and, and the pressure he puts on team. And again, that's in isolation. You know, Jordan played a, a pivotal role in the game and the pressure he put on the, the Kilmarnock back line and, and pressing them back and that and, and the touches. So I just think, yeah, let's just stick with the guys. Yeah, I appreciate Brophy's there, but Brophy's still coming back from injury as well. So, you know, Malky knows exactly what he's doing. We've seen it on so many occasions, as he proved there on Saturday, the way he set up the team and how it played out. So let's just um, trust the process, have a bit of faith in the lad and, and, and hopefully, you know, as I said, he'll come good with the goals. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know there's 
as you said there, everyone's entitled to their opinion. They pay their money to go and watch the games and things like that. And it, it's it's a shame that to some people there are there is the focus on, despite taking three points up from Kamarnik on Saturday. Yeah. We mentioned there it's the first win, and I think it's eight or nine visits there since since 2017. There's there's people that will focus on that miss rather than anything. Um, yeah. it's not it's not cost us anything. So it's yeah. just yeah, it's. It's an, it's unfortunate, and I, I really feel for Jordan because there's so much he puts into the game that maybe yeah. goes unnoticed. You know, we spoke there about him pinning Dees for for Simon's goal. Like if he doesn't yeah. potentially back off, Dees then drops back into the space and potentially heads the ball away. Simon doesn't get on the end of it and things like that. So yeah. you know, his, his work rate and um, his ability to bring others into the play. You know, he scored goals already this season. We were talking about before the. Uh, before the Rangers game, that he'd score three goals and grab four assists in, in seven matches. You know, yeah. so that's pretty good going for a striker if he was having a goal contribution every every ninety minutes. Now that's like yeah. a change. Now it's uh, three goals and four assists in nine matches, but that's still good going for yeah. a striker at our level. So, you know, um, as he said, just just stick with Jordan. He's he's vital to this team. So, you know, yeah, as I said, stick, it'll come stick good. with all the boys. I think we have to we have to sort of celebrate you know, where we are at right now rather than focus. Because I think you, you, you can always, especially at a team like County, you can always find fault with something. Do you know what I mean? We're not, you know, it's not a, a team full of world superstars, you know, who are heading off the World Cups and all these type of things. It's, you know, it's good, honest pros with a, a sprinkling a bit of talent and a bit of youth in there and experience. And we just have to be a bit more, I just think, as a, as a fan base at times, just a bit more supportive. Because look, you know, we're fifth in the league. What are we complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're fifth in the league after four games, plus two of them are against the old firm. And yeah. we're, you know what I mean? So I'd be more worried if I was an Aberdeen or a Hibs fan right now with what's going on at their clubs. You know what I mean? And the money they've spent, they've a lot more questions being asked there. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, moving on for the rest of the game. Uh, you know, in terms of pressure that Killy kind of mounted, um, Laidlaw pushed away across from Armstrong, which looked like it was maybe looping into the far corner. Killy recycled the ball from that attack and uh, Matty Kenny had a shot from the edge of the box, which Laidlaw again uh, palmed away. They had a, a number of like successive corners in the space of, like five, ten minutes, but you know the the aerial presence of Baldwin, Nightingale, Leak, White in there was really kind of nullifying them. They weren't getting any change off off any of those set pieces, which then leads us on to the the big big moment of the match um, safe to say which has been yeah uh, we all know kind of what's happened here but um, Killy's free kick uh, on the near the left touchline is met by Stuart Finlay who heads the ball beyond Ross Laidlaw but it turns out Kevin Clancy had already blown his whistle before Finlay's header across the line towards Kilmarnock a penalty after he spotted Josh Reed pulling Brad Lyon's shirt Armstrong stepped up to take the penalty, but Laidlaw makes a crucial save with his legs to keep the score at 1-0. So, for the second time tonight, referee corner. Take it away. Okay. If I was a Kilmarnock fan at the point of the header, yes, I would be upset that the ref never let it play out. However, for me, and it didn't make and it only one person, and credit to him, Michael Stewart mentioned it on Saturday night, was it really a foul for the free kick? And if you, you go back to that, I do not believe. Now, we're having all this debate now, because we had it last week, where obviously Simon Murray had got done against Rangers and saying, oh, well, we're saying it's not a foul because of the contact. Do you know what I mean? 
The same can be put for Armstrong's there where he got the free kick. It was not enough contact for him to go down and be a foul. The same what we're hearing now at Ibrox, which again I'll come on to later on about the old firm game of it not being enough contact to be a foul and all these type of things. So for me, in a way, justice was probably done in this. So if you isolate it regarding the header with Finlay, yes, I can understand the Kilmarnock's fans' frustration because I've got to be fair in that if it was the other the boot was on the other foot. And yes, we have to deal with it. But the ref didn't see the pool, so he's called it. And he's maybe been a bit rash because we were there last week where we were complaining about not letting the game play out and the ball was in the back of the net. But at the same time, for me, it wasn't a foul in the first place. So that's my overriding thing. Is If you're asking me as a county fan and looking at it, it should never have been a free kick. So the whole sequence of events end up with Laidlaw making a save. And for me, it was just a stand at that point. So sorry if any Kilmarnock fans are listening and think I'm being really unfair on it and saying, well, you're just saying that as a county fan. But generally, I felt watching the highlights back, in the first instance, it wasn't even a foul anyway. So they shouldn't be in that position to swing the ball in. Adam, what were your thoughts on it? Um, am I right in saying, was it Brown that gave away the foul? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Stephen. I don't think it's a foul at all, but I think the referee's given it because I think there was a number of consecutive fouls Brown had given um, or there's been a lot of action on that side. I can see why he's given it, although it's the minimal touch for a foul you'll ever see. But when you do that nowadays, and even the, the pool or the penalty in the box, you know, as soon as you do that anywhere on the pitch now, you just give the referee a choice. Um, in terms of the the whole scene of events with it being pulled back for a penalty it's just a howling decision if I was a Kilmarnock fan I'd be raging at the fact that it was uh, it wasn't a goal in the first place it's not even anything to do with the bar just the general foundations of football and referee and giving the advantage of play you know but it's uh, a mistake on the referee's uh, part he came out and apologised but an apology at the end of the day is no use to uh, Derek McInnes but it's certainly a lot of use to us <laughs> yeah it's when luck's on your side it's on your side and that's what it felt like when that decision went our way you know when you actually look at it back it's it's what like half a second if that between when the ball leaves Finley's head to when Clancy's blowing his whistle before the ball crosses the line it's like it's so it's like fractions so you know if that if that decision went against us you know we'd be we'd be furious at that so can completely sympathise with Kilmarnock fans out there that are, are raging at that. But then as soon as the penalty is awarded, you just know in that instance that Laidlaw's going to save it or Armstrong's going to miss it. Just because of the situation that's been created. You know, it's never going to be a simple penalty where he sends the keeper the wrong way and it's 1-1. You know, it's always forgotten about. It was just the narrative that that was written that it was going to be a huge moment. The goal was to slide, the penalty was saved, that was it. Josh Reed is never going to give away a better penalty in his career than that one there. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's potentially up there with um, Luis Suarez's handball against Ghana in the 2010 World Cup. You know, in terms of just the you know the outcome in in the match and things like that, or the the actual incident itself. And I thought it was really interesting. That's only the second time that I've seen a penalty saved by a goalkeeper where the balls then ended up near the halfway line. 
where the other time was uh, Scott, Scott Fox, Fox in yeah. the semi-final against Celtic, yeah. Yeah, when Griffiths took the penalty and it's obviously come off like a shin or his knee and it's like yeah. rocketed out to the halfway line. <laughs> it reminded me a bit of that. It was almost like a bit of a similar penalty yeah. too. So yeah, I can, and, and the thing is as well, we can sympathise with Kilmarnock fans because there was the decision at the end of last season at Fir Park where uh, yeah. Ewan Anderson blew for a penalty when Conor Randall was deemed to have been fouled by Callum Butcher. But he's blown his whistle just as the ball's coming to Harmon to have a, a clean strike a goal 12 yards out. Now, has the whistle put off Harmon to put over the bar? Maybe. Would he have scored if the whistle hadn't gone? We don't know. That's all ifs, buts and maybes. But <clears> that was almost a, that was a similar situation because then he awarded the penalty. He, st- he stopped the play too soon. He didn't let the attack carry, mm-hmm. um, carry on. And then the penalty was then overturned. So had Harmon put the ball into the back of the net there, we would have been in the exact same situation as Kilmarnock would have been in when that penalty was awarded and, and just the similar aftermath, I guess, of it. So, but even, even closer to home, Ross, we only have to look at the week before. We were yeah. raging about the decision made to stop the game with Jordan White having the ball in the net against Rangers. Mm. So... You know, it's it's evened itself out. We've got a break this time as opposed to not getting a break compared to last week. My grievance to a lot of thing is it seems to be because Derek McInnes, friends in the media, he's then going and shouting about it and saying, you know, it's not fair in that. And everyone's saying, oh, count, you got away with one. Well, the, the media weren't doing that the week before when it was nil-nil for us. Very true. Do you know what I mean? And this is the other thing that, and again, this is probably now going to be Stephen Cleland's central-based media watch. Uh, but... You look at the old firm game. Now, Rangers are up in arms and complaining about um, the, the referee, you know, um, giving the foul on that and stuff as well in, in, um, at Ibrox. This is the same Don Robertson that last season was refereeing the game when Jordi Hawula was pulled down by Sands and didn't send him off in the first 15 minutes. I don't hear Rangers and all the media going running about that one. So I think sometimes County don't get the same media focus when something goes on and it's, we're quick to get blamed for a lot of things as, as a club I feel but they don't highlight that you know they could have easily come out and said well actually last week County didn't get one they've got one this week it's balanced itself out that would have been a fair argument do you know what I mean but no 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 it was all County got lucky in that well I think Kilmarnock got lucky because they could have been 2-0 down even before that so yeah, it's like I, like I said last week it's um, come the end of the season the whole thing with the bar because it's not the finished article and I don't think it ever will be the finished article. It's at the end of the season. You would like to think they weigh themselves out. There'll be ones yeah. like that that haven't um, obviously worked in our favour against Kilmarnock, but there'll be plenty this season that go against us and we'll be up in arms with it. But yeah. that's what we've got to deal with now with this bar. But um, no, I agree with you. But it's, it's central belt bias. I'm a, I'm a fan yeah. of that as well. But um, I just, yeah, I just it's, it's whoever like, shouts just, the loudest. Yeah, I just feel aggrieved though. I just feel like apart from Michael Stewart, I thought it was excellent. Even he said, well. Because even Stephen Thompson said, oh, don't go there with that. When he mentioned about the foul, should it really have been a foul? Do you know what I mean? He was quite happy to have that debate, but people weren't. So for me, it's just a narrative that quite often gets spun. Do you know what I mean? And I just feel it's we're the easy targets because we don't have the fan base or the, 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 the stroke within the media that other bigger clubs potentially have or, or links to it. So, you know, we heard we heard um, this thing come out about last year where Kilmarnock with Considine against them with this handball and that and stuff. I said, Malky could have been easily coming out and saying the same thing last season I said with the ones that was Sands and that's even before VAR was there. That was one that didn't even need VAR to tell us that Sands should have been sent off. Yep. And, do you know what I mean? And, and Don Robertson just brushed it off. So, 
for me, a lot of it is, well, you need to all take your medicine because we've more than enough had to go through it and it's just balanced out a bit now. So don't whinge about it because every time we tried to complain, we were you know getting criticised for left, right and centre. And I just, I feel quite defensive of my club at times. I just don't think we get the, the breaks in the media. And I'm not asking them to be biased for us, but just call it as it is. Do you know what I mean? And the fair thing would have been to go back and say, well, was it really a foul? And no one asked McKinnis that. And I didn't hear McKinnis saying, well, maybe it wasn't a foul. He focused very much on the, the, the part after. And I think sometimes bring a bit of a balance to your, your coverage and your arguments about it and that as well. And then I think county fans would feel like fair dues then in that case. Like, do you mean? Yeah, totally understand. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same as well. So, yeah, then following on from that, Laidlaw was called into action again with a really good save from a header from Marley Watkins. But then from that point on, it was it was nice and comfortable. County saw out the rest of the match. Like I said, to pick up the first win at Rugby Park since September 2017, maintain their excellent start to the season. And Adam, I guess this question is for you because for the people that don't know, Adam's a, a goalkeeper. So in terms of the um, improvement and performances from Ross Laidlaw since he's come to the club, I think it's been, it's, it's quite remarkable. And, you know, I know there's a lot of quality goalkeepers ahead of him in terms of, you know, national team setups and things like that. But I think with his performances, at least over the last 12 months, he deserves to at least be in a a conversation about future call-ups. You know, if there is a shortage of goalkeepers or if Steve Clark decides to potentially change things for a friendly match or two coming up, you know, if he's trying to integrate new faces, I think, you know, going by his performances, if that if that was at a different club, if this was down in the, the central belt, for example, I think there would be a lot more focus on Ross than there would be compared to, you know, when he's up here. Yeah, I think I think if you can t- can continue putting in performances like that at the weekend, um, I would argue his case as well. I've been pretty critical of him in the past. Um, obviously, the first thing you want from a goalkeeper is to be a good shot stopper, but you see that now the modern game is distribution. You know, that's all they talk about now. But you know, sometimes they forget the fundamentals. It is the job to stop the ball going in the back of the net. Um, but no, he can't argue the performance at the end of the day against Kilmarnock. He's kept us in the game and he's won us, he's won us the three points. Um, I sometimes do wish he would command his area a bit more, come out as um, you know, anything in that six-yard box. seen it a few times in the last couple of games now. It's, sometimes it's glued to the line, but um, these are little things. But um, no, if he keeps going the way he's going and winning points, you know, there's a difference between um, winning points and, you know, just... You know, tidying is over and you know um, getting a point but um, yeah if he keeps going like that I would argue his case but um, the problem is we're up here in the Highlands and there's guys down the central belt I know there's guys playing English Championship obviously Angus Gunn called up for Scotland there as well some would argue a higher level of football and yeah. I don't I don't you'd ever see him in a in a Scotland top but strange things have happened Scott Fox was in the mix for a wee while um, so you can look at that and base it off that but um, you never know but if it keeps going the way he's going I'll be delighted yeah I, I think it's, it's it's certainly been interesting to see the progression since he's he's been at the club and just the improvement like so during the uh, the COVID season he was the club's player of the season that season the amount of points that he saved us you know kept us out of a automatic relegation battle and also probably kept us out of the playoffs that season as well and then you know last season he came up with big moments big saves and games you know the um, you know the penalty shootout against Park Thistle. You know the saves he's making there. You know it's it's he's just improving more and more, and that's obviously helping with the game time. And I think you know prior to, to coming to County, he was never really a regular number one anywhere. 
And I think that's certainly helped. He's he's managed to get a run of games. Um, there's been great confidence and experience is a big thing as well. Exactly. You know, you see, see a lot of guys. You see a lot of guys who are in quotation marks number twos and sit on the bench, but they're only number twos and sit on the bench is because they don't get out there and get the game time. And sometimes yeah. you've got to guys have got to go away and then come back again. And I think that's what's happened here with Laidlaw. You know, good goalkeepers aren't guys in their you know early twenties. You know, and they only develop by the time they get to thirty and you know into their thirties. And you obviously see some goalkeepers that are you know McGregor. You know, going as back not so long ago or Brad Friedel who are all the way into their 40s doing it yeah and I think even if you look at like some of the competition that he's had over the years at the club as well like so you know a um, couple of young goalkeepers in like Ash Maidar Brewer and um, Nathan Baxter they've gone and had decent spells down in England now as well um, Ash is I think the number one at Charlton just now and um, Baxter was certainly floating around the, the championship for a while I think he's down in League One just now with Bolton if I'm correct yeah um, so you know it, it shows that He's he's had good goalkeepers go up against him, but he's you know he's kept the shirt. He's had spells in and out of the team, but you know for the majority of the time he's kept the shirt. He's had the game time. He's improved, and and yeah, Stephen rightly so. I think you know the man of the match performance on Saturday just just shows you know the levels he's reaching just now. Yeah, and again, I'm not criticising what he'd be up against in the Scotland score, but you're looking at what Xander Clark and the boy Kelly isn't it at yeah. uh, Motherwell. I would put him on the same level as them. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to say he's better or worse, but I would, you know, if I was looking at the keepers, if, you know, I had a choice, you would go, yeah, he's, he's probably the same level as them. So I think it probably does, as you said, boils down to a bit then, is it just more favouring because there's more focus on players down in the, the central belt? They just get more attention about it and we're sort of forgotten a wee bit up north. Um, you know, it's going to be hard, especially once I think Craig Gordon's back. You're probably looking at Craig Gordon and Gus Gann being the, the two main keepers for Scotland and it'll be one other yeah. but he'll do himself no harm by performing like that week in week out if you look at it bar the non the non old firm games he's not conceded a goal yet and we've won two games do you know what I mean so for the, the best of the rest which is probably the third place third choice keeper for Scotland is in reality and it's not been disrespectful he could push himself to that to that level potentially like do you mean so but Joe, you know we're just happy to have him. You can see the difference when he's in there, the confidence and the defence in that as well. And you know, he's signed a long-term contract with ourselves, which is a positive. Um, as Adam rightly says, as a goalkeeper, you, you get gain experience and you become better in your thirties. Do you know what I mean? So we're probably going to get the best years out of him. So do you know what? If other teams don't want him, fine, suits me. Do you know what I mean? We've got someone that we can rely on now and. You know, will win us points, and we've seen that game in, game out. Do you know what I mean? We saw the importance of it. You said during the COVID season, last season, in the playoffs, especially with some of the the saves he made and the penalties, and then there again. Do you know what I mean? That's I mean, again winning us the points at the very end with some saves. So great. Do you know what I mean? I'm happy for it. That um, if he if he goes one of these undiscovered talents, maybe for him it's a, a disappointment he didn't make Scotland, but for ourselves as fans, we're delighted to have him, and, and long may that continue. Yeah, I think that's a key point there is that he's tied down a long-term deal so it's a total benefit for us. Um, you know, I think the contract's until the summer of 2026 which, you know, is fantastic so if he continues to improve, you know, he's, he's going to be, a, he is a huge asset already for the football club but he will continue to be, you know, as vice-captain as well and, you know, so many roles not just on the pitch but off the pitch too so, um, yeah, it's all it's all good. So, yeah, um, six points out of 12 Really good start to the season. A Viaplay Cup, 
quarterfinal as well against Aberdeen coming up. So 90 minutes potentially from a Hamden trip. In those four matches, you know, the six points are against teams who you would like to think will be around us or teams that will maybe, you know, potentially be dragged into a relegation battle perhaps and you'd like to be no, points Not against. according to Kilmarnock fans, we're not. <laughs> no. no, that's true. Um, and yeah, and then the, t- the two losses coming against both Celtic and Rangers and even the performances in that, I'd, I'd say it was only maybe a 20-minute spell against Rangers where we weren't quite at the levels that we've shown for the majority of the season. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, you know, a, a start to the season, I, th- I think, you know, when the first, when the fixture list came out, we saw the international break during this week. I think if, if if people had said, we'll be sat on four points, they would have been really happy with that, I think, with those opening four fixtures. I think six points yeah. is, is absolutely superb. And, you know, anything more than that would have just been, you know, that would have just been incredible. So Adam, in terms of a, a start to the season out of 10, what would you... What would you rate it? I, I don't. I don't like saying it's ten out of ten because I don't know if there's it's, uh, you know such a thing as a perfect start, but it's hard. It's hard to knock it really. You know, if you're expecting Ross County to go down to Parkhead and take something from the game, you're you're ambitious. You know, never mind getting three points, even getting a point down there. And Rangers and Dingwall, um, I'm sick of going to Ross County Rangers games and not taking enough from it I'd love us to beat them one day but it's the same you know if you're playing against the old firm you're ambitious if you're going to get something from it and even if you take a 2-1 defeat it's still a good result um, so to even take um, six points from St Johnson and Kilmarnock it's, it's a really good start you know if I'm looking at that the first four games of the fixture list and thinking if we can get six from that 12 points you know we're doing well and we're going to set ourselves up going forward so I would say it's got to be a 9 out of 10 for me. You know, if it was a 10 out of 10, I'd like to scrape a point at home against Rangers. That'd be the only yeah. downside. Stephen, what would you say out of 10? Yeah, well, we, you know, we're talking about six points out of 12, but it's six points out of 12 with performances. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we've we've managed to, you know, sneak these two wins and that through the, the sort of backdoor style thing. It's, we've, you know, front foot against St. Johnston and down there we battled and we were smart and, you know, done what we need to do in, in you know, a competitive fixture. So for me, I'd probably agree with Adam. I would say 9 out of 10, because what we always say is the old firm, if, you, if you're getting against the old firm, it's a bonus. So that, as Adam says, if we'd managed it, it probably would be a 10 out of 10. Because we're not expecting, you know, I'd be really cruel if I said 10 out of 10, because that's the only way you're going to get 10 out of 10 if it's 12 points. Realistically, we're, not, we're never going to be in that position where if we are, honestly, I'm booking my booking my ticket for the Champions League's group stages at that case if we're getting 12 out of 12 at that point. So, so yeah, I think for me, it's a 9 out of 10. There's so much positive and lots of good things happening. And the the that missing point would have been just something against one of the old firm, preferably Rangers at home. Because I think we all accepted that going away to Celtic on the, the, the opening day of the season was going to be tough. But even then, the performance and the goals we got, it was so positive. You're going away from the game going, OK, We've been beat, but as we've said all along, as long as you're restricted to two goals or less, then it's a success against the old firm and anything else is a bonus. Because you know find the old firm will put you know goals past other teams around you and they'll hurt their goal difference. So all in all, realistically, I'm probably looking at it as much as I thought we'd, we'd get the win. And that was just based on watching performances and that. If you'd said at the start of the season, OK, after the first four games, you're going to be sitting on four points. We'd have probably gone out of taking that. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. probably would have. Yeah, absolutely. Pictures. So I think realistically, I think we're probably above where we thought we were going to be at the start of the season. 
And, you know, we're going into the break really positive and looking forward to the next fixture, which, as county fans, it's not like we don't look forward to the games, but when things get tough, you're always sitting there worrying, right, when's the next win going to... Or, when's the next winner, when's the next performance? We're looking at it and thinking, okay, it's not disrespectful to Livingston, but the next one at Livingston at home, we're thinking, okay, we've got a chance in that game now. Do you know what I mean? You're going in quite positive, and I'm sure Livingston will feel the same, but you're you're not doubting yourselves. Sometimes as fans, we can't do as county fans, then it can get a bit dicey at the bottom of that, and you know you start panicking. So from that point of view, there seems to be an air of confidence and development around the team that I've not seen in a, a few seasons now, like Joanne. And I think that's helped just with the continuity of the squad. And that's the the next yeah. topic we're going to come on to there. There's been 10 new players that have come into the club, but in terms of, you know, outgoings, there's there's not been as many. Um, yeah. you know, Malky's managed to keep the, the nucleus of the squad there. And, you know, despite it being a squad that was in a, you know, relegation, relegation playoff fight last season, it's still a really, really good squad. It was just, yeah. uh, you know, we lost the goals of Charles Cook and Hungbo and Spittle. And we just didn't replace them. We didn't have that same X factor. But that doesn't mean that the group that was already there isn't a good, good group of players because that was yeah. still the group that took us to the top six the previous season, or the majority of them. Yeah. You know, so it was just about trying to go into the summer and, you know, get the recruitment correct. Um, you know, and there was a slight change from that, favoring some players that have experience in Scottish football or have the the hunger to make the step up from the the championship to the premiership and you know prove themselves as top flight yeah. players in Scotland, you know. So um so we've seen a couple of them arrive. So such as, you know, Kyle Turner, Scott Allardyce, uh, Jay Henderson, you know, they've had impressive spells in the championship last season or in previous seasons in terms of uh, Kyle and Scott. And you know, they've they seem to have made the step up, especially Kyle. We've seen a lot of him in recent weeks and I'm sure we'll see, you know, plenty of Jay and, and Scott in, in the weeks to come as well. Um, getting Eamon back on a permanent deal as well I mean everyone in Scottish football knows what, what Brophy does Brophy will score goals um, you know and and even the you know the business that we've had from players coming up from down in England you know Will Nightingale looks really solid at the back you know Aerley he's looked very very good and quite comfortable with the ball at his feet as well we saw that against yeah. Rangers with his ability to step into midfield but he was also quite happy to go with a physical or deal with a physical threat in Kilmarnock at the weekend as well. Ryan Leake as well looks like a, a direct replacement for Alex Iacoviti. James Brown's come up and has been a revelation at right back. I think, you know, the, the, the just the standards of signings that we've seen as well. Jo- Josh Reed came back in on Saturday and, and did really well at left wing back. You know, I mean, that's been George Harmon's position for, what, the past six to nine months since Ben Pennington yeah. broke his ankle. And, you know, Josh came in and... T- I would say he didn't put a foot wrong. He, I know he gave away the penalty, but he, <laughs> he kind of put a hand, he put a hand wrong, but he didn't put a foot wrong. Yes, hi. you're correct. By the end of the day, it was it was the correct decision, Josh. So well done for that. Um, you know, and then the likes of I, I know we've not seen anything yet um, as such of of Scott High, who arrived in from uh, Huddersfield, which we'll kind of touch on a little bit as well. Um, and, and Max Sheaf who came on against Airdrie and actually did very very well in terms of you know the first time that he's kind of been involved in the in the squad since the kind of group stages where people were getting up to fitness and things like that so you know in terms of in terms of business coming into the club I mean Stephen let's start with you this time I mean what would you rate out of 10? No I think I, honestly I think it's been it's again for me a 9 out of 10 window and the only reason I would say is I still think we're maybe just that one wide player short and maybe an additional goalkeeper. But I appreciate budget pressures and how these things can work. But for me, 
I would say it's a nine out of ten because look at the performances. I can't, you know, I, and that's just my own personal opinion. That's just what I think. That just that one natural wide player, but I understand, you know, if if we're going to go more three five two, and we're using the full backs as the wide, then it, we maybe don't need that for this period of time. It's just having that additional, you know, when we're using it. But no, for me, I would say a nine out of ten. I'm really happy with the um, the. the Again, I'm not. I don't look back at last seasons and be too critical of it either, because mm-hmm. on paper a lot of the quality that we brought in was it was there, but there was a huge injury issue. I think we maybe we we did address it a wee bit later on in the year because the first season under the uh, wind under Malky, obviously we got like Sakaligan in and that, and just getting one or two even just Scottish based players, I think does help. It's not against. You know, I don't. I'm not one of these believers that you have to sign Scottish only, or you have to do this or, or that. I'm not one of these. You, you you find the players where you find them in reality, but I think it's just having the experience of that league just to get up to speed quickly. And I think that's that's helped us this year. Where maybe some of the players it took a wee bit of even Danda took him a wee bit of time to adjust from what he was used to, just because of the intensity of the Scottish game and how it can be played. Um, but I wasn't too critical last year's room. So I think again they did try, try and address it in the January window where they brought in. Simon Murray and they've they've brought in Brophy and that and stuff as well. So um you know there was changes as well. Last year we changed the formation. We went from the previous season being very rigid 4-3-3 and then changing that as well. So I think there's a lot of circumstance around the different windows, and I think you, you just do the best you can. And sometimes as well, it's easy for us to say we've had a better window this year, but some of these players might not have been available 12 months ago. It, it really depends if you know for, what you can get. And you know, as Malky said. One of the, he got lucky with Kyle Turner who was staying in the same hotel as him. <laughs> managed to managed to convince him daily, you know what I mean, that county is the place for him. So there's there's a whole range of circumstances, but looking at it purely from my own point of view, I think we're a, an absolute nine out of ten, boarding towards a ten out of ten. But my only thing is I just feel we're maybe and you know what? We still might get that wide player yet and a keeper who maybe are unattached to clubs yet. That might still come. We've seen that happen before as well, so that might still come. Um, but if not, you know, we know what we need to do then in the in the, the, the January window. So you have to take the totality of it over a season. But at the moment, for me, I would say a nine out of ten, and I'm really encouraged by the, the players we've brought in. I think there's a lot of quality that's came in um and a lot of development. And a lot also what it's done is it's protected. So we've mentioned George Harmon. I think George Harmon's an absolute star, absolute star of a player for us. But people forget how young he is. Mm-hmm. And it's a big ask to go for a full season playing game in, game out and not pick up injuries and knocks and that. So even having that support with Josh Reed there now and Paddington coming back as well will actually benefit him, not just in helping him raise his standards because he's now got direct competition back up against him, but also we can be a bit more selective in the games they play. So he's coming in fresher to games as well. So I think what it's done is it's created opportunity for a lot of players where they can actually be a bit more max in their performance you know towards the end of the season you're worried the player's just going to last the 90 minutes because of the number of games and injuries we were picking up so I think this season if you're looking at that point of view of a totality of the recruitment again for me it's a 9 out of 10 because we've managed to add depth to the squad and and ability coming off the bench to change a game as well as change the formations Adam what's your rating out of 10 for the transfer window? Um, I'm only going to rate it on basis of just getting players in the door Um Obviously, I, I think it's too soon to rate players on combat, compatibility with the club and performance. Yeah. 
you know, we've taken in 10 guys. If we can get five of these guys to work, it's success rate. You know, you look at previous seasons, you know, the amount of players we signed, they're not all going to work at the club. You know, if we can get you know, half a dozen or five of these guys that are going to work with this club and they're going to do well, I think then you look at it and go back and rate the transfer window. But I think in, in terms of getting guys in, I think quantity and numbers is a good thing because you look at last season with the amount of injuries we had, we were struggling, especially at the back in places, you know, having to bring in Dylan Smith, you know, young at the time coming in, who's had to do a big job for us. Um, I agree with Stephen. I would like to see another um, wide midfielder, a winger come in just to give us a bit more options there. Um, but in terms of getting guys in, there's no, you know, you can't have too many guys, um, too many options. You know, it gives the manager something to think about and it's competition for places as well, which I think is healthy. But in terms of, you know, are these guys going to work with the club? Um, you know, are they going to fit the style? I think it's too early to say, but um, I hope I would love to see them all do. But then going going forward, you know, if, if we pick up, you know, an injury at the back, and obviously, depending on what happens with the night, Nightingale situation, if he goes back in January, you know, we then become short at the back again. So, you know, that could open up a whole can of worms, but time will tell. That's fair enough. You're keeping us realistic in terms of those <laughs> kind of things. Um, uh, obviously, the, we're talking about transfers coming in and things like that. And I, I'd say that I, I would mention them as well. So, um, obviously, there was the news that on deadline day, uh, Scott High arrived on loan from Huddersfield Town. High's an under-21 uh, Scotland international. It looks to be a box-to-box or a defensive midfielder. Um, you know, at his age, to have made 60 appearances in the English Championship shows that there is a player in him. And I think that was a similar performance kind of uh, performance levels or appearance levels to to Danda before he arrived at the club. Um you know, he's spent on time alone at Shrewsbury and Rotherham in the past. So again, it's not like we're getting a player in the past when Malky's spoken about he's tried to get players on loan that's it's not really their first loan. They've had experience in first team football, so they can deal with the demands of like a Scottish top flight football. So um yeah, I think it's it's probably quite difficult to to kind of make comment on him. But I think in terms of the options we've got in midfield, I think, you know, I've seen a few people say that we've got quite a lot of numbers in there. But the, the you know, the thought process that, you know, Ben Payton's going to be out until end of November time, you know, depends how quickly he's able to kind of come back into, you know, a, a reckoning in the first team. And, and Ross Callahan's going to be out until at least, I think, the end of January by, from from what I heard, we are still maybe a, a little bit light in there, especially if you go with a three. And I guess you've got to have different, you know, elements for different matches where, you know, if you're chasing a game, you need to have two creative mid players in there, maybe in one sitter. And, you know, if Adam mentioned there, if we get tight at the back at all throughout between now and January, we've still got Connor Randall who can easily drop back from midfield into, you know, a wide centre half role, potentially in a back three. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just, Stephen, I guess it's just having a, you mentioned there about strength and depth and, you know, High looks like he is a, a quality player to have there too. Yeah, just looking at the stuff on, you, you get a sort of, I know sometimes these YouTube videos can be sort of doctored to make the player look like, uh, you know, a Zidane or a Messi and that and stuff. But what you sort of gauge from these, he looks like a very athletic young man who can get about the pitch. A wee bit of pace about him, I think, from what I saw. Um, and, um, a bit of industry as well. You know, he looks like he wants to pick up the ball and get forward. So again, that's a, that's a, a positive for ourselves. We've probably got in the likes of Randall, 
and probably Latouri a wee bit, boys that can sit in that midfield and cover areas for us. Um, so we're probably, again, it's just another creative individual in there that if we need to change it and be a bit more box-to-box and that and stuff as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted with the signing again. I think it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's what I'd say a lot of all the signings we've seen come in this summer for me is you look at every single one and go, yeah, makes sense. I can understand why they're coming in and why the thought process is behind it. So, again, it just adds to the sort of positive nature of the transfer window. I, I'd be surprised, you know, what we're saying is we're probably nitpicking, you know, when we're being critical of it. But as you take it, you take it in the totality of everything, you're looking at it and going, yeah, it's 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 been a successful window for us. And as Adam says, that will then play out on the, the rest of the season in, in relation to performances. But if you're, you're drawing up a a list at the start of the season of what you need to replace and what you manage to get in. And again, credit goes to Malky, Fergie and um, all the guys at the recruitment side of it, Enda and all that as well. They got the business done early in a very short window this year. It was only about three weeks, wasn't it, before the players were, were back in again the because of the yeah. playoff. Yeah. So to, to get that business done in such a short space of time, we, we really should give, you know, when we're saying nine out of ten, it's probably a, a 9.5 plus, you know what I mean, for for what they've managed to do on it. Um, I think I think it's worth mentioning here as well, our pals over at the Killy View podcast. Um, one of the chaps there, Martin Wall, is also a Shrewsbury fan and he, he mentioned that High can also fill in a right wing back. That's where he was sometimes playing during his time on loan there as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, potentially that's another option there that, you know, with with James and, and Connor being the, the two kind of natural right backs or right wing backs that we had at the club that, you know, if one of them was to pick up an injury, we don't have to move the other one into that place as such, you know? So yeah. Do we know where he played in the Scotland setup? Uh, as far as I'm aware, I think it was just in the, the centre of the park as a box-to-box or a defensive mm. midfielder. So um, so I no, it's it's encouraging. I think, you know, it's a, it's a player, as, as I mentioned there, that has experience in the English Championship, which is a very good level of football to, to be playing at. So, um, hopefully he'll be able to kind of bring that up here and I think as well just in you mentioned about the recruitment there and you know the, the players that have come in I think there's it's 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 been good to get the the personalities uh, off the pitch as well that have obviously come in and, and been a good mix for the, the dressing room it seems because I guess you know there's players that have come in from previous clubs where they've actually captained their side so likes of Will Nightingale was a captain at um, at Wimbledon for for years as well. Um, you know th- these guys are coming in with an experience to set the standards and you know maintain things both on the pitch and off the pitch as well. And I guess you know when you've got experienced guys, leaders like that on the park, it's it's beneficial. And I think you know we are starting to to see you know the rewards of of that. So um, so I no, it's it's been good. I, I I would say it was probably been a nine out of ten window, and maybe a nine point five. Stephen, the same with yourself. That you know, um, in terms of the the players that we lost, you know, they were very influential players at the club, likes of Alex and Keith uh, mm-hmm. and David as well. And you know, to have replaced them added the depth as well into the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it, it's all been very good. And even the you know the the players that have come in, the majority are on permanent deals as well. So yeah, that then helps the continuity then potentially going into next season as well. That you know these guys have we're not having to rebuild again year after year. And Malky's spoken about that how you know he would like to reduce the the turnover each summer yeah. to 
the, as a small a number as he can. You know, he he is realistic at clubs like County because of where we are geographically. It's it's difficult to do that, but um, no, and that should that should give fans a bit of faith in it as well, Ross, um, because that's something that Malky stated from the very start is that's how the process is going to work for him. That initially they would have to take more loans and but they would hope to reduce it down season on season. And now we're at a position there where I've always said it's great when you can get into a, a, an established squad where you can bring in one or two or three quality loans, which will make the difference that you might not be able to get your hands on otherwise to supplement with the squad. So I think, again, it shows that the club, there's obviously, I know last season didn't probably go for the way a lot of supporters would have hoped, but there were circumstances around that. But what I think we're seeing now is for the past three seasons, we've seen a clear plan and a progression in how the club's going to be and how it's moving forward. And I think it's it's a real positive for all the fans that we just have a bit of faith in that process now. And hopefully it's money in the bank for the, the, the people in the club that they get the time and space now to show the fans, look, this is what we're now doing. Let's keep developing it this way, like, do you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, let us know what you... The listeners have rated the start of the season out of 10 and also the transfer window out of 10 as well. So that'll be interesting to to gauge the reaction on that. So uh, just in the other news over the past seven days, um, County also progressed into the next round of the North of Scotland Cup with quite an impressive 8-0 win over Wick Academy up in Wick. Um, when you look at the, the starting 11 that County took up there, it was good to see even some of the, the first team players kind of getting some minutes up there. So like said, Jay Henderson, uh, Alex Samuel, uh, ben Parrington coming back from injury, uh, Adam McKinnon as well, and amongst the team, and Jordi Hawula as well, who we'll touch on in a, just a minute as well, just with his news. Um, so yeah, so good to see it was a convincing performance up there. Wick were down to 10 men just after five minutes, so from that point it turned out to be a, a long evening for them. So uh, both Alex Samuel and Jay Henderson grabbed hat-tricks, and uh, Alistair Morrison and Jordi Hawula also chipped in to give County a comfortable 8-0 win. It was then announced on Monday that Jordi Hula had left the club. Uh, Jordi had made 26 appearances and scored four goals in all competitions. Um, you know, Adam mentioned there that sometimes players can come in and sometimes they go off to a good start, but it just it, it doesn't quite work out for them. And I think, you know, th- that was the case for Jordi. He started off really brightly in the League Cup groups. And, you know, I think he was a striker who showed some quite good movement. He had a, he looked to get in behind defenders quite often and um yeah, he had some nice touches on him, but it just it just didn't quite work out for him. And then, you know, he did score a big goal for us at Fir Park in the one-one draw with with Motherwell back in January, I think it was. So yeah, you know, um, yeah. And in terms of that, that's obviously a big goal in our season. If that doesn't go in, we don't know potentially where we end up. I know it was only a point that we gained, but in terms of the momentum from there, but you know, he seemed like a, a nice guy. But again, just sometimes things don't don't work out at the club. So. Uh, I'm not sure if the if if he had officially left the club before the end of the transfer window, which would allow him then potentially find a club and, and play between now and January, or if it's maybe been delayed. But um, yeah, it's just these things kind of happen in football. So just all the best to to Jordy on his on his next move. Um, the club also announced that tickets for the Viaplay Cup quarterfinal against Aberdeen are now on sale. Uh, all season ticket holders have their seats reserved for purchase. Uh, until Monday the 18th of September and after that the unpurchased season ticket seats will be released as part of the general sale um, if you're a season ticket holder you can purchase your seat in the same way that um, you go to renew your season tickets during the summer you head over to the club's ticketing website log in and click the menu in the top right hand corner 
click on tickets and then ticket renewals will take you to the page where you can buy your um, your ticket for the match there with your season ticket seat. So, um, and the the other bits of going on at the club as well that kids from St Clemens visited the club to to welcome some of the new players. Um, and it seems to be a, a yearly occurrence now that they'll they'll go and um, they'll write letters to the players and, and welcome to the club. So, you know, Stephen, you you've spoken about that. That seems to be quite a a nice kind of partnership the club have built and and help to kind of strengthen their connection with the community yeah no obviously a bit of vested interest that my mum's now retired but she was the assistant head teacher at the St Clement school um, back in the day um, so there's always been a strong link between the club supporting the, the school but it's nice to see the school themselves what they do is they prepare welcome uh, welcome packs and, and good luck messages to the new players that come in, which I really think helps integrate the players into the community and vice versa. So I just think it's a really positive thing that the club do, about the relationship with the, the local schools and that and stuff as well, especially St. Clements. And I think it's just, a, again, it's a good news story. Do you know what I mean? That's the set of things where we talk about, I, I always get a bit sort of bleh when people say more than just a football club, because I think a lot of things that all football clubs do you know, within their communities are pretty generic. But something like that, where it's a welcome part from the actual kids of the special needs school to welcome the players, I think that's something different. I think that's something that should be shared about as, as much as possible. I think it's just a real positive. And um, I think as well, my understanding is the players and, and Malky are absolutely great for the kids and, and the teachers and all the staff there from St. Clements. So it works both ways. So I just think it's a really positive news story. There's, you know, sometimes, again, football can get a bad rap um, you know, when you read about players' behaviour off field and all these type of things. But for me, that's the essence of what a community club is, that you can have that relationships with the local special needs school and that and stuff as well, you know? And um, they're fans just like anyone else. You know, they go to the games and support the team. So it's great that the players are making themselves and people at the club available for that as well. So, yeah, I just think it's, a, just for me, it's a really positive news story. Yeah, absolutely. And it deserves the recognition that, it's, it's receiving so um so yeah and then just the other bit is just the club uh put out their uh loan watch for the past weekend so my right uh ryan mcclemon and connor ewan all started in elgin city's 5-1 defeat against bonnie rig rose my and connor both played the full 90 minutes with ryan being substituted at half time andrew mcclive was on the score sheet for near county once again on saturday as he netted in their 4-1 win over strass based thistle uh both andrew and george robeston started the game for nairn um, Logan Ross was on the bench for Brora Rangers uh, in their 1-1 draw with Inverurie and Zach McPhee got an assist in Clachnacullen 6-2 defeat away at Fraser Brown and that was uh, the report published on the club's website so uh, last week we asked uh, you the listeners uh, who were some of your favourite cult heroes at the club so we've got some of the, the answers here so from uh, Stuart Ferns his favourite uh, cult hero was Tony Bullock uh, Glenn McLeod, uh, his favourite cult hero was uh, Regan Charles Cook. Both Gary and Michael have chosen Karim Bukra. Uh, Sean McKeever has chosen Jackson Irvin. And S. McIntosh has chosen Kenny Vanderveg. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it seems to be there's quite a few few popular ones there. And um, there was one other answer from our pal of the podcast, uh, Gary McDonald. Um, it's got to be. Stephen Wolfarth as well, but more recent times, uh, Joseph Hungbow. So, um, yeah, I think there's a few popular choices there uh, for yeah. the, the questions we've asked. So, uh, our question is this week, um, 
And before anyone thinks that I've missed out this news, no, I've not. We were just saving it for the end here. Ross Stewart obviously made a big move on transfer deadline day, completing, uh, depends what source uh, you read, it was either an £8 million or a £10 million move to Southampton from Sunderland. Uh, and it's reported that Ross County have a 15% um, sell-on fee that was agreed with Sunderland as part of the transfer when Stuart left Dingwall to join Sunderland back in January 2021. So, County will potentially earn between 1.2 to 1.5 million pounds from Ross's transfer. So, if you had 1.5 million pounds burning in your pocket and you were in charge of Ross County Football Club, how would you look to invest that money? Stephen, let's start with you. What would you do? Um, well, just just on this one, it's something I forgot when we were talking about transfers. There was a, a thing we were talking, I think it was the radio at the weekend, where they were talking about um, all the transfers, the number of transfers that happened in Scotland. And it was an average of 10 players or transfers in. And they were talking about the, the lack of percentage of Scottish players. Well, obviously, County have addressed that. But there's another example. that The myth is that County don't invest in Scottish players well. What did we sign um, Ross Stewart for? Was it about I think it was about twenty thousand pound. I think it was, was it? or twenty five thousand. Twenty five grand. I think is what was the quote from St Mirren. Now bearing in mind when we sold him, we sold him for about a figure of a five hundred thousand, which was three hundred thousand up front and then a further two hundred thousand um, in add-ons. Which obviously that figure St Mirren would have got fifteen percent of that. So they probably walked away somewhere around probably just under about seventy five thousand. So the deal for St Mirren was 100000 So that's 100000 back to them. Then if you look at, we've probably cleared about 400000 And then you've probably got, on top of that, you've probably got then appearances, goals, promotion. There'll be other bonuses tied in that count we'd have got percentages of. So if you bear in mind, that's probably, we've probably cleared on the initial stage before Ross's sale of somewhere over 500000 in profit. And then we're going to get a further one point five million coming through the deal itself has probably been worth to Ross County in excess of profit wise two million pound which is tremendous value for money for what we invested in so again credit has to go to the club with its identification of players and developing them in that as well so to get to the question 1.5 million the first thing I would definitely do is I know obviously it was posted towards the end of last season there was about a 500,000 pound debt on the club operating debt so first thing I would do is clear that debt so the club's debt free so if you're 1.5 million you've still got a million to play with what I potentially do then is I would look to split that three ways I would look to put some of it into the first team and have it maybe even 500,000 there as a kitty for transfers because one of the things we've found is this season we had to pay transfer fees to get certain players and it's maybe not we're having to compete with wages, it's maybe competing with the transfer fees itself. So I would put that there. So Malky's got a bit of money, whether it's in January or next summer, to, to change things if he needs to bring a bit of quality in. The remaining 500000 I would probably split it between the guys in the office, not to give them a bonus or anything, but to help them and support them. Because one thing behind the scenes is I know how hard the guys in the office and that work and whether that's just to bring in a couple additional staff to support them with the development. But I'd also then give the other half to sort of the marketing and development with what they're looking to do with activity and, and to so that they can put some money up front, spend some money to generate more income, whether that's to hospitality events, commercial, social media, that side of things. So I think what I try and do is spread it a wee bit around the club. 
I appreciate as fans you want to invest that 1.5 million back into the, the squad and probably the 1.5 million my understanding is it's probably roughly about where the wage bill is every year annually from what we can see in, on reports you read so it could probably set the club up for another season and, and protect it so you probably could spend more but the danger is if you start spending more on a budget you have to pay that over X amount of seasons and I'd much rather do what we do now and the way we play the budget and trying to go above probably what we're paying for as far as the return on performance do you know what I mean if reality what the budget we've got despite some things that were said on social media in the past couple of days, again, about County having a, a really good budget compared to some of the other clubs in the league, County are towards the bottom of the league with their budget. But I'd rather we were realistic and don't try and, which we potentially done when we got relegated the last time, where it was going boom and bust, where we know for a fact County were paying some players more than the, the top earners at clubs like Aberdeen, and that was just never going to be sustainable. Do you know what I mean? Um, so... I think for ourselves, even spread, clear the debt of the club, have a bit set aside for transfer fees if we need to, and then the rest, look at the infrastructure in the club, whether it's the guys behind the scenes to support them, or the couple of additional staff coming in, and also on the sort of marketing and social media side, giving them an extra pair of hands where they can actually go and spend some money on some projects with the view to try and recoup some money or make some more money from it as well. So I think an even spread of investment would be the sensible approach for me. All very interesting choices, Adam. What would what would you go for if you've got your this money burning a hole in your pocket? How would you look to invest it? Uh, I think well, if you've got your sensible head on, I don't think you're going to see much of that investment going anywhere. I think it's going to go straight back into the club and probably pay yeah. off um, debts, like Stephen said there. And you probably won't see a direct windfall of that money going elsewhere. But if it was me, I'd take that one point five million or however much money we had, and I would love to do safe standing in the jail end. That is one thing I would love to see happen at one point in the future at Ross County. And not just Ross County, you know, across the board, Scottish football, I think, you know, there's so much potential there going forward. Um, so if I had any spare money, that's what I'd do. I don't think I'd go into as much depth as Stephen went into there. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, off the top of my head, that one thing, if I had the money, I'd love to try and see, because we've talked about it before and it's always come down to, well, finance. Well, you know, if you've got a bit of spare money there, then, it would be something I'd love to see happen. But yeah, nice and short and sweet for me. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair choice. That was actually one of the things mm. I even had listed, whether it be in the jail end or, you know, if there are some other grounds that have got them, maybe just in the corner of the ground. So even if it was in the corner of the East Stand or something, you know, potentially there, because that's quite an open area. I'd imagine that's potentially a bit easier to install it there than, you know, the the smaller stand of the jail. I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of... Yeah, because it used to be standing in in that side of the East Stand as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a bit of that, and you could even name it the Ross Stewart safe safe standing section as a tribute. <laughs> <to that. laughs> um, no, I, I think you know, I think they're all very reasonable suggestions. I, I think you know, you're right there, and that you know there'll be investments made into the club that you know it's best to first clear the debt that was obviously reported and things like that. Um, you know, so that then there's that remaining money there what would you like to do with it I think Stephen's suggestions of you know investment into you know the, it's such a small amount of staff that are working so hard at that club so if there's a couple of extra pairs of hands there to help them out that's that's very true as well I've spoken about safe standing I mean some of the best days in the JLN was when it was all terraced so you know even a, a, a something like that would be fantastic and even if a, I, I, I don't know if it's actually 
possible, but like a, I wouldn't say a renovation of the jail end as such, but you know, even if it was just brought up to, I, I don't want to say modern day standards as such, but even if, you know, we've obviously got the the pillars kind of going through the stand, even if it was just like a, a new roof put onto it. So then the people that were potentially sat behind these pillars, it wasn't a restricted view potentially for them. I don't know how much that would cost. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it copped slightly, you know, at a steeper angle. You know, like you have a time cap, obviously it wouldn't yeah. have to be as many seats deep. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm agreeing with you there, like some sort of renovation of the jail end. Yeah, I think that would be quite, that'd be quite interesting to see, I guess, you know, in terms of, you know, um, it obviously won't be the kind of like the same height or the same size as maybe like the away end and things like that. But just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was just, it was something that I was thinking of. I was like noting down ideas and I, I just I popped into my head because obviously the further kind of you sit back in the jail end, sometimes you, you might have to, you know, lean around the, the poles to see what's kind of happening and things. And, you know, that was, that's maybe something that, it's possible. Who knows? Might not be. But um, so yeah. So listeners, if uh, let us know what you would like to see used uh, with that money, whether it be, you know, some investment into the, whether it be into the squad or whether it be into the the ground, the, you know, the academy, um, you know, all sorts. So just uh, whatever you can think of, let us know. See see what suggestions there are. Uh, that'll be always be interesting to see. And um, yeah, we'll discuss them next week. So. So yeah, um, I think that was it. I think that was a quite a nice, steady and easy podcast. Not quite as dramatic as if you were keeping an eye on Ross Stewart's transfer deadline day. The amount of times that he apparently failed his medical and the deal was off and then it was back <laughs> on and it was off. I mean, Adam, you're a, you're a Sunderland fan as well. So I'm sure you were kind of like seeing all the updates on, off, on, off. It was like, it was crazy. And I felt like I was emotionally invested into it just because of the sell-on fee that County had in it. I know, I don't know if I was delighted or devastated. Obviously, it's great for Ross County, but then for players themselves to progress, you've, you've got to move on eventually. But no, we've, we've definitely benefited from that. It's like it's like that video of, is it uh, Ralph Hassenhutl, the old Southampton manager? Like, you're celebrating, like, when you realise you got your county held on, but then you're, like, calming yourself down, realising, like, you're a Sunderland fan, thinking, oh, wait, no, I've lost my striker here. So, <laughs> they, um, weren't, they weren't worrying about it too much the next game when they played Southampton. No, the that's true. That was early, that's sunken, so... That's very true. Yeah. I, I watched that as well. I was like, oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's Obviously, everything. I was going to say, obviously, being a Newcastle fan, I was really encouraged that Ross Stewart did leave Sunderland. That was a great bit of business. <laughs> being a Newcastle fan. <laughs> that's that's great to know that I'm doing a podcast with one Newcastle fan and one Sunderland fan. And we've not had an <laughs> argument between them yet, which is always nice too. So, Well, that, that's uh, news to me now, so I don't want to have any more content on Newcastle and Sunderland <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> That's fine. Well, we can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll focus. Yeah, on that I think we'll keep the English Premiership. Well, oh, fuck, Sunderland are not in the Premiership, but we'll keep the English football. All right, there's a low blow already. Wrap up, bro. That'll be Adam not reappearing next week. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just in the middle of editing the podcast. So, I just thought I would jump in with this last little bit of news that came out on Thursday morning that. Jordan Tilson has joined Dundee United on loan for the remainder of the 2023-24 season. It's a good move for Jordan. I think United have got a few injuries in the centre of the park and they've looked to add some experience, which, you know, certainly Jordan will be able to provide that. With over 100 appearances for, for County, you know, he's been a great servant to the club. There's a potential there that if if the loan move works out, we'll see him back at County. I think you know, with the options that we've got in central midfield just now, I think his game time would have been limited. So to get a move like that is is great for Jordan. It'll continue his recovery from a, 
a tough summer, I would say, with you know the injury in preseason and whatnot. So, yeah, all the best to Jordan on that move. We'll keep an eye out for him, and yeah, hopefully it goes well. So, we'll just finish off the podcast right now. We'll round it up, and yeah, thank you very much for listening, Adam. Thank you once again for for joining us. No, thanks for having me, Ross. And Stephen, yeah, once again, thank you as well for coming on. Pleasure as always, Ross. Pleasure as always. Yeah, and it's nice going into an international break, seeing that kind of you're sat in the top six and life seems pretty good just now.